0: Would you turn with me in God's words to Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, and if you haven't brought a Bible with you, then turn to page 154 in the church, Pew Bibles, and stand in honor of the sufficient, inerrant, inspired word of our living God, Deuteronomy chapter 8, as we read God's word together. And I remind you, as we read these words, it's like hearing the voice of our living God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment that I commanded you today, you shall be careful to do that. You may live and multiply and go and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord, your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and you let your hunger and he. And let you hunger and fed you with the manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you known that the man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as man disciplines his son, the Lord God disciplines you. You should keep his commandments. Of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without uh, scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land where, where whose stones are iron, and who And out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart will be lifted and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do do you good in the end. Beware. Lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he might confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And you forgot the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Let the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so, you shall, so, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Will you pray with me? Father, would you speak to us this morning, we pray. Father, would you confirm your word to us, we pray. Father, by your Spirit, would you draw us into your presence, so that we may hear your voice, so that we may believe it in our hearts that we may live it out in our lives, that this would not just be a passive time of just words flowing over us. Father, use me as your tool to express your words. Father, comfort the afflicted with your word this morning and the afflicted are comfortable with your word this morning. Change us so that we may be radical disciples of Jesus Christ, I pray in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Just as a quick note before we start, this morning's sermon is sponsored by uh, Theraflu. I have a cold, so excuse me for the distraction of drinking, but my throat is not good. There are two key words in our passage today. The two words are this, remember and forget. Both are repeated to make the same point that we are to remember the Lord and his words and to never, to never, never forget either of them, either the Lord or his words. You see, if we read about, if what we read about in the Bible is true, if this book that we have open in front of us this morning is truly infallible, if it is truly inspired, if it's truly inerrant, and if it is the word of the living God, if it is this divine special revelation from the creator to each one of us, the creation, if it is the words of the one who created the whole universe just by speaking, If this is his communication between uh, us, our creator, and him, uh, uh, him, our creator, and us, his creation, then we need to understand that these words, combined with the Holy Spirit, bring to the human soul. They bring to us life. They take us away from death. They create in us a new heart. They create in us to become a new creature. The word of God, this Bible that we have in front of us, has power when it's combined with his Holy Spirit. That if what we read about in this book is true, that God, that he came to dwell among us in the person of Jesus Christ, that he put on flesh. If that that story is true, that life story is true, that Jesus Christ came and was sinless, that he led the perfect life, that he was spotless, but then that he died the criminal's death, (laughs) and that he was a man who was God and that he went to the cross to bear your sin and my sin and then on the third day that he rose again and that he walked out of the grave he walked out of the tomb and was alive to show that all of God's promises are true in short if everything that is in this book happened is true if everything in this book that is predicted to happen came true If everything that that, that is in this book that is predicted to happen still in the future is true, then you and I need to devote our lives to what is written within these pages. We need to devote our lives to studying them, eternalizing the words in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls, making sure that we understand it, and making sure, most importantly, that we share these words with a dying world to stop people from going to hell, because what's contained within these words are the words of lie. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be spending the next four weeks looking at what God willing is going to be made into our core four at Fifth Avenue. That we're going to have at Fifth Avenue uh, our church built on these four truths. And they're not meant to be a slogan or a fancy diagram. What they're meant to be is the essence and the character of who we are as Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. Excuse me. That we will hunger for the word of God. That we will hunger for praying together, praying out loud as well as silently in our prayer closets. That we will hunger for holiness that's going to be seen in evangelism. And that we are going to hunger for fellowship with one another because Jesus says, when you love one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. All of these, four, these core four issues are vital for us as a local church. And in order for today, not just to be another message, not just to be another time when you sit in the pew and and then you just go out at lunch and just forget about what's been said. Or you go out at lunch and just chew up what the pastor said and spit it out as you you eat together. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, even now, Holy Spirit, that, that he may come and that he may gently challenge us with the strength that comes through the preaching today. That God would challenge us to take more seriously the Word of God. That God would challenge us to see that the Bible is much more than just words on a page, much more than just a reference book for moral decisions. But that without the Word of God, without the Word of God, we have no life. We have no life with the Father. We have no life with the Son. We have no life with the Holy Spirit. And I say that today. I'm passionate today about wanting us to, to be different I'm wanting us to wake up and hear the gospel again, Fifth Avenue. I want us to be stirred so that we live such radically different lives that we are seen as change makers in this world. From the youngest to the old in this room, I want us over the next four weeks to have our mindset as who we are as Christians so radically changed that the world would see that we are living as Christ. That we are living as Christ. That we're no longer just a member of another church in Rome, Georgia that we're no longer just part of this cultural Christianity that has no impact on the culture and society around us, but that we would make Jesus Christ our treasure, that we would make Jesus Christ our treasure and that we would engage together as a fellowship week by week in taking the gospel out into a dying world and encouraging one another to treasure Jesus Christ. See, this passage in Deuteronomy 8 is about the chosen people of Israel and it was originally written to them And the Lord is challenging them directly. He's challenging them to remember Him and not forget Him. And to be careful about that. To be careful about that. In other words, they are to take their time. They are to think about what it means to remember Him. They are to take their time and be very cautious not to forget Him. And to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, Fifth Avenue, never to forget Him. No matter what happens in their walk with the Lord. And that truth to the chosen people today, uh, to the chosen people then, is true of us, the chosen people today. This same truth is for us, that we need to be very careful that we remember the Lord God through his word, and that we be very careful never to forget his or his word, him or his words. And the way that we do that is by remembering his commandments, by opening the Bible, and being fed by every word that comes out of his mouth. We are to be careful with that one idea of remembering God and never forgetting Him. It should be like for us holding a newborn baby. Holding a newborn baby in our arms, this truth of remembering God and never forgetting Him. That truth should be a, a treasure possession that we are careful with. I don't know if you could ever remember the first time you held a baby, a newborn baby. Uh, but I guarantee you that when you did the one thing that you did when you held that newborn baby would be the remembrance of being very, very careful as you held that baby in your arms. You were giving your full attention to that baby being held in your arms. You were careful. You were focused on holding that baby, not distracted by TV, not distracted on things around you, not distracted on what other people were doing, but you were holding that precious bundle in your arms. And that sense of carefulness is heightened even more when it's the first time you hold a baby. Or when it's your own baby, you are careful to hold that truth. And that word carefulness is repeated throughout the Old Testament when it comes to listening to the commands of God. We are to be careful. The last thing that we want to do is to harm the truth of forgetting God. The last thing we want to do is stop remembering God through hearing His word. We don't want to hold on to it too tightly or too loosely. But like holding a baby, we want to support that weight. We want to stop the head from rolling over. And we want to make any adjustments possible to make sure that we we keep that truth true and valuable to us. And this is how careful we need to be with this truth of remembering God and not forgetting Him. Not because God is uh, vulnerable like a baby, but because the truth of continuing to remember God through His Word is valuable. It is eternally valuable to us. And the Lord is painting a picture of contrast in this part of the book of Deuteronomy. Of their 40 years of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness when the times were tough. To the contrast of the promised land where there is the description of abundant blessing. Which when I read it should strike images of your, in your mind of the kingdom of heaven. Of being with God for all eternity. And the principle is simple. Remember the Lord when times are tough. And do not forget the Lord. Dare you do not forget the Lord when times are good. And this chapter is telling us that the time in the wilderness was a time of trial for the Israelites. The time of of when we should not be fooled into thinking that we do not need to receive any more blessings from God. But we need to hold on in the time of wilderness to the promises of God that his promises will come true. So that when you and I live through this life, when we live through the times of trial, we dare not doubt God. We dare not doubt the God who promises a kingdom of heaven, whether it's name or crying or tears or pain or mourning anymore because we are with the glory of God. Because God does not promise us an easy life. But he does say to us, you need to remember me. You need to remember me in times of trial. You need to have your eyes lifted to the hill from where your help comes from. But also, this passage is powerful for us today. Powerful for us who live in the West. Because as we live in the West, it is the most destructive culture for our soul that has ever existed in all of human history. It is harder, listen to me Christians, it is harder for us to live as a Christian in this self-reliant Western culture than it is for the Christian who lives and prays for his life every day in the Sudan. The reason why is because we are surrounded by God's provision and such abundance that we don't struggle to find most of the time food or warmth or security or freedom from persecution. And so what happens is, in those times, we forget the Lord. We fall into this sleep. We become drugged by possessions. We become drugged by houses, cars, exercise, sport, our own mortality, food, sex, money, and the praise of man. We become a, 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 a possession of anxiousness because we don't have all of those things. And we strive to think that they are going to fulfill us. And our faith falls into this coma of forgetting the Lord. Because when that happens, when that happens, what we see in the churches in the West is there's no sign of the Spirit. That churches become known more for their human actions than they do for the supernatural actions of God. I don't know about you, but I want the reputation of the churches in the West to be known for the actions of the supernatural. Not my actions, not your actions, but God in action. Do you not want that? Do you not want that? I want that. And so what we need to do is when we look at chapter 8, we need to ask about this warning that is given to the Israelites. This commandment that is there in verse 1, that is referring to them being ensnared by idols them being ensnared by the covetousness of of gold and silver that covers the idols. And Christians, we are never, never to settle for the pleasures of where we are here and now. But we are to settle for the pleasures that are to come in the promised land, the promised land of the kingdom of God. We are never, ever to forget the God who saved us. We are never to forget the God who provides for us. And we are always to remember the God who is promising us this future hope. So with verse 1 in chapter 8... What it's telling us is about the promises that were given to Abraham and the promise of the promised land. And after there, there is a principle in which we are to never fall asleep. Our faith is never to be drugged by temptations of this world. But we are still to be uh, hungry for the word of God, which come through the promises of God. Do you see that at the end of verse one? The Lord swore to give to your fathers. In other words, these are promises of old that I'm reminding you of you again. Don't forget them. And so verse 2 is telling us that we need to remember God's promises, that that we need to remember them on the journey that He saved us from slavery like He saved the Israelites from the slavery of Egypt, that we are to remember that in our walk with the Lord, He supernaturally changed our heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, from being a slave to sin to being a slave to Christ, a life that is now no longer heading towards hell, but now heading towards the promised land of the kingdom of God. We have to remember those things of what God has done and when he delivered us, like he delivered the Israelites. And when the Israelites were walking every day, they were tested to see whether they were going to obey or disobey the word of God. And God was asking, where's your heart? Are you hungry for me? Are you hungry for my words? Or do you desire to still be back in slavery in Egypt? See, if they desired him, they would desire Freedom. They would want to remember his promises. They would want to remember his commandments. They would want to remember the way he delivered them out of Egypt. And they would want, they would be hungry for his words. See, that picture that is played out for us is used by the picture of manna. I often tell people that I think the modern day version of manna is red lobster garlic biscuits because they are so good. I say, what is this? But the food that nobody knew about before, the food that nobody had seen before, nobody could ever produce, a food that could sustain you for no more than one day. In other words, it was telling us in this picture of manna, you are to be reliant on the word of God, not for many days, but for one day at a time. In other words, you and I, Christian, need to be hungry for the Bible every single day. Because when we read the Bible, and when we get satisfied for the Bible on one day, it will only sustain us for that one day. We need to keep coming back to the Bible. That is what ultimately is, is being illustrated with this manner. The Israelites were sustained by God speaking the manner into existence. They could not have that manner to sustain their physical bodies unless God spoke it through his voice. And so verse 3, it tells us the verse that Jesus quotes when he is tempted by Satan. Jesus was more hungry for the word of God than he was for the physical bread when he was out in the wilderness. See, this isn't some cute way of saying this is how to be super spiritual when we say man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. That's not a cute way of saying I'm super spiritual. It's talking about the reality of God's character. That we are made, we are made to be sustained by the word of God. Reading the Bible is not some religious act of works to get us to salvation. Because we are saved, because God has delivered us, we are therefore in desiring of hearing of his words. Reading the Bible isn't like ticking a box and thinking we're going to become a better person if we do it. What this is telling us is the Bible is vital for us to live every single day as a Christian. We cannot afford to live in this world without living by the word of God. Our walk with the Lord is sustained by his words that he has spoken. In other words, to be truly alive Christian, to be a truly alive Christian, you have to come to the word of God daily. We have to hear from the mouth of the Lord daily. And if we're not living that way, then we don't have the true Christian life. Let me say that again. If we're not living for the word of God to sustain us every day, then we are not being sustained. We're not living the true Christian life. We're not truly alive. See, this passage is telling us that the word of God is is giving us more than just eternal life. It, It is giving us what we need to live and breathe and function as a Christian. It is like the air. It is like the water. It is like the food that we eat. The Bible sustains us. See, we need to view the Bible in the same way that we view food and water and security and air. It needs to be that desirous of us in our soul. It needs to be our ambition to know God that much that we literally hunger for the word. See, God allowed the Israelites to hunger so that they would trust in his provision. And God puts in the heart of the true believer a hunger for his words so that we might show that we are trusting in Christ and that we trust in Christ's provision every single day, that Christ provides for us. See, the Bible nurtures and sustains our souls. It satisfies us so that we are free from the slavery of sin, that we are free from the slavery of sin of of, of wanting to be fulfilled by the things of this world. See, we are at our weakest and most vulnerable points of temptation to say, like Jesus Christ... I do not want to know about Satan's schemes because man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. When we get tempted to think that the world can can satisfy us, we are to turn to the word of the Lord and be satisfied by who God is that is revealed in the Bible. See, brothers and sisters, there is a liberation from temptation that comes from the word of the Lord in the same way that it did for Jesus Christ in the wilderness. If you want to avoid uh, sinfulness, if you want to feed your soul, then the answer is the word of the Lord. If you want eternal satisfaction that this world cannot offer, then the answer is the word of the Lord. Because when we hunger for the word of the Lord, we find God. And when we find God, we find the soul-satisfying glory that comes from him that will benefit us for all eternity. Dismissing or disobeying part of God's word is not an option. I'm taking this for granted that we all here believe that the Bible is an infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God. That if God's word says something, then we are to do it. We don't have an option, Fifth Avenue, to evangelize. It's not an option you and I can say I'm opting out of that one. God's word says it, therefore we have to do it. If we want to say that we claim the forgiveness of Christ, we don't have an option to not forgive other people. We don't have an option to do that. We have to do that. We have to do God's word of forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us. We don't have the option if we say that we are Christians just to sit in church on a Sunday morning and just let the word of God wash over us and never have any effect on us on Monday mornings. The real Christian cannot do that. The real Christian cannot despise or reject or forget the word of God. The real Christian wants his life to be discipled and disciplined, to be a faithful life because of what the word of God says, because it reveals to us the character and nature of God. See, if we believe that we are headed for the promised land of heaven, which is what verses 7 to 10 point is towards, because we have believed in the parts of the Bible that say, if you trust in Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. We dare not, Fifth Avenue, we dare not claim that promise of saying that we're saved because we trust in Jesus Christ, uh, uh, because we want to feel like we have a a safe, eternal security. We dare not take those truths of the Bible and then forget the other truths of the Bible, saying that I'm going to live by self-confidence. I'm going to live and ignore the other parts of the Bible to say, it's okay to ignore the part of the Bible that says, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. We dare not claim the, some of the promises of God while ignoring other of the commands of God. The Bible says to each one of us, go into all the world and make disciples. That is not an option any of us can call out of and say, that's not for me. We're all called into that. Any word, any word that comes from the mouth of the Lord is what the passage says. We are to obey and we are to fulfill. We are to ask by the Holy Spirit, God, let me live this out. The truth of the Bible has to connect with a man and a woman's head. And it has to connect with a man and a woman's heart. And it has to then connect with a man and a woman's actions as we go out the door. So Fifth Avenue, I am saying to us as we go through these next four weeks, there is no pew sitting when it comes to evangelism. There is no pew sitting when it comes to giving God our, our first and our best, when it comes to our tithes, our offerings, our givings. There is no pew sitting when it comes to giving God of our, our, our ties, our treasures and our talents and our calendars and saying, God, you be the first priority on my wallet. You be the first priority on my calendar. You be the first priority on my talents. God, this is all for you. There is no optional extra out of that. If we want to claim the salvation of Christ, then we have to claim the rest of the word of God. We have to live by every living word that's in there. And verse 11 to 20 spells out for us uh, what the consequences can be if we don't do that. See, the reality of being hungry for the Bible is that we are hungry for God. And that will be seen in our actions of obedience. And verse 11 tells us not to forget the Lord by forgetting His words. See, when we forget the Lord by not being hungry for His word, verse 12 tells us that we're in danger of settling for eating for food instead. We're in danger for settling for a nice house instead. And so instead of being hungry for the Bible, what happens to us is that we become hungry to fill our stomachs with food that doesn't last. And there is a dissatisfaction there. But rather than waking up and saying, I'm dissatisfied with this world, I'm dissatisfied with things that are temporal, and and coming to God for the satisfaction, we carry on sleeping. And when we do that, what we do is we make the God our stomach. Our God's our stomach. That is what verse 12 is telling us about. And for some of you here today, that is true. You stop making God your God. You stop making Jesus your king. And your God is your stomach. Your savior and your satisfier is not the true God of the living Bible, but it is your plate of food. It's where you go to for peace. It's where you go to for satisfaction and security. You run to it. And Fifth Avenue, we need to repent of that. If that is you, you need to repent of that and say, I want to be sustained by the words of God, not the food on a plate. For some of you, your savior is not Jesus Christ, but it is your comfortable home. It is a home that you do not realize that if that is where you find your security, you're building your foundations of your life. If your satisfaction is in your material home, you're building the satisfaction on your life upon sands. And when storms come in your life, which they will as a Christian, then what's going to happen is your faith is going to fall apart and it will not sustain you. For some of us, We are making of our God our bank balance. And that is what verse 13 is describing. Your importance and your worth is no longer in the life of Jesus Christ, in His death, His burial, His resurrection, and in His glory. But your worth is in your 401k, or how much money you can earn, or in your career. These are the warnings of what happens if we forget the Lord. Look at verses 12 to 14 with me. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your hearts and uh, when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. In other words, you're forgetting your salvation. You're forgetting that you were once saved from your sin by Jesus Christ. You're forgetting the eternal security that God gives you when he gave you Jesus Christ. And grace is now no longer your treasure in Jesus Christ, but it has become cheap for you. And we start treating salvation without fearing God. And we think, yes, we are saved, but we close our eyes and we close our mouths to prayer and we close our ears to the word and we start living for this world rather than living for him and for expanding and building his kingdom through his church. And we start treating church like it's a religious social club rather than the place where lives are transformed by the gospel. And all of that, all of that conditioning of of where some of us are, of where some of us are because we're living Christian, comfortable, cultural lives and not the lives radically formed by knowing Jesus Christ and his word, all of that is rooted in how we view the Bible. Rather than being the source of where and how we find life, the Bible just becomes to us like a newspaper that we read for something interesting each day. The Bible becomes for us something where we just turn to if we need a moral guide. The Bible just becomes for us something that we fill our head with, with intellectual knowledge, but it never hits our hearts with an affection that causes actions to come out into our lives. So instead of having men whose face shine with the glory of God like Moses and Stephen, what we have in the church in the West, we have faces of men who look glum, who look beaten down. So instead of having the story of salvation, uh, of taking it to a dying world, what we do instead is we keep it to ourselves. When we stand in Walmart and we stand in the restaurants and, we, and we're out in public and we literally see people going past us towards the, he- the place of hell because we have forgotten the Lord and we've forgotten to take seriously being hungry for his word. So instead of faithfully trusting in God to provide for us, we take our money and we hold onto it so tightly thinking that it will satisfy us. And we make a craving of our flesh rather than the craving of the Spirit for the glory of God. But Fifth Avenue, this is not the way we are meant to be. We are not to take uh, the, the Word of God and forget about it. We are not to take salvation and then forget the Lord and stop remembering His promises. The verses of 17 or 20 are a strong and a stark warning of what will happen to us if we do that. If we think we have anything that God has not allowed us to have. If we think that we have anything good that we don't realize has been a gift from God, then we are not in touch with reality. Do you see the words that it says there in in verses 18 and 19? It is God who gives us wealth. It is God who gives us security, not you and I, not what we do with our hands and our minds and our actions. It is God that gives us everything good. And look at what happens to the church and the Christian who forgets the Lord and forgets the Lord's words. Look what happens in verse 19. Let these words just penetrate into your soul right now. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. There is a warning here in the Bible that if we're not hungry for the Bible, if we're not hungry for the glory of God, if we're not saying all of the Bible and all of God's word or what I want to live by, then look at what it says. If we forget the Lord and we turn to other gods, like how nice our house is, or how much money is in our bank balance, or how much we get satisfied with food, if we start worshiping those things instead of the Lord our God, it questions whether we have salvation in the first place. In fact, it does more than question it. It says that we don't have it and we will perish. And Fifth Avenue, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen to any one of us. I don't want us to forget the Lord because we have fallen asleep because we've come into too much of a comfortable place in our Christian life, and because we have forgotten to be hungry for the Bible. I want Fifth Avenue to be the place that is so radically different from the world that it makes the average churchgoer in Rome, Georgia, take up a note and look at us and say, there is something about them that is more Christ-like than I've ever seen before. There is something about them that is willing to be sacrificial Uh, and this church that I see in Fifth Avenue, not for the sake of our name, but for the glory of God, uh, takes mission seriously and they're not running away from being willing to lay down their life for the cross, lay down their life for the sake of the gospel, that our lives become counted as nothing in comparison to the glory of knowing Jesus just that little bit more, that we would be willing to die just to know in our soul Jesus just that little bit more. That we would be willing to be a martyr for the sake of the gospel. If it meant somebody else knows Jesus. Just that little bit more. If it takes the gospel out to somewhere like India. And where you could get threatened for your life. And we need to be the church who has people in it. That says I'm willing to die for my faith. We need to have people in 5th Avenue who say I want to live dangerously for Jesus. I want to lead my family in prayer. I want to lead my family in reading the Bible. I want to lead my family in being so strong in the Lord that nothing of Satan can come and attack it and destroy this family. I want to see men in this church who cherish their wives like Christ cherished the church. I want the men in this church to be so much of a good example of what it means to love Jesus Christ that other men look around and go, they know how to treat their wives. And other ladies go, I wish my husband loved me like Christ like that man does. I want us to be so attractive to the dying world that they see Jesus Christ, that they cherish and want to know the gospel that we have. I want men that are more interested in knowing Jesus Christ than they are about the daily things of money or sport or anything that becomes more important than God. I want us to have men and women in this church that hunger for the Bible every single day because they want to know God more and they want to share the glory of God more. We don't just want to be a church that in one generation, two generations, nobody ever knew anything about. Because we never did anything for Jesus. Because we never remembered the God of the Bible who saved us. We never remembered the gratefulness of his grace given to us. That he gives us every good thing. Because we never have our souls stirred by being hungry for the Bible. I want us to be so entrenched in the gospel because we treasure Jesus, because we remember him, because we remember his words, his living word, that we are so hungry that we go out and are changed with them. I don't want us anymore to, to simply say that we do evangelism. I want us to do evangelism. I want to see people coming to know Jesus Christ. I want to see men and women in this church saying, I want to go and disciple somebody. I want to disciple them and open the word with them and, and see them grow in their strength and knowledge of Christ. I want to see anything that is not the gospel be thrown to the curb and never, ever be a distraction to us when it comes to preaching the Bible and seeing God being lifted up here in this place. I want to forget any gossip, any bitterness, anything of our history. I don't want to see Fifth Avenue be a church when the glory of God is raised up and seen in this place so that people, rather than being satisfied with thinking that church is just about Sunday and church is just about having a moral code, that they see us sacrificing our lives for Christ. They see us sacrificing every good gift that he has given us for Christ so that people are saved. We live in a community where there is only about 15,000 at best going to church on a Sunday. And most of those are people, God forgive me if I'm wrong, but are just warming the pew and they have no living relationship with God. There is no radical relationship that looks like the life of the, the apostles and the men of the Bible. When that happens, it is just death-defyingly sleepy for the church. The church has fallen into a coma. We need to wake up. We need to wake up and open the word of God and be hungry for it. We need to wake up and be hungry to know the God in the Bible. I'm going to pray that Satan doesn't snatch this word away from us this morning. I'm going to ask the deacons to come up and be ready for counsel with anybody that wants counsel. I want us each here this morning to be so moved by the Holy Spirit, if it's God's will, not because of me, but because of God, that we would be moved to say, I want my life to be different. I want my life to look like the people in the Bible who live for Jesus. I want God to place in us such a hunger for him that it is therefore natural because of our spiritual well-being, because of the stirring of our souls, that we go out and evangelize in the Roman Floyd County to the ends of the earth. If you want to come up and talk to me about what it means to join this church, If you want to come up and talk to me about what it means to really be a Christian that lives this way, then I'll happily talk to you about being discipled. I'm going to ask Chip to come up and lead us in singing. I'm going to ask the the deacons to come up and, and be ready for counsel. Lady, if you want to pray with another lady, then find somebody you trust and talk with them. Before Chip sings, I'm going to ask that we be quiet. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Let's just spend a moment in quiet. Father, as I look out over this town, I see how powerless your church seems to be. And that's not because of who you are, but because we have forgotten you. So, Father, by your Spirit, do a work in this town. Draw us to remember you. Draw us to remember your words. Draw us to remember your salvation, your promises, the way that you delivered us that we would never, ever take for granted the grace that you've given us to save us. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that Satan wouldn't snatch your word away, for anything that is wrong to be forgotten and anything that is true to be remembered deep in our minds and in our hearts. Father, I pray by your spirit that you would not allow us to be comfortable, but that, Father, you would draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.